welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams, so listen to episode 121. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Well, it's that uh, weird part of the year where turkey season has come and gone, and now we've got a long wait until deer season. So I know some of you are in, active in some other hunting, but that's kind of my two main things that I do is turkey, deer, every so often elk. Um, but, you know, I tell you what, it was a fun turkey season. I was able to get that bird on the opening day. I was there for two other occasions. And I tell you, last week I went about three times and had some really good gobbling, some of the best gobbling of the year, um, and just wasn't able to seal the deal. I had a bird come into 30 yards and kind of came in silent, wasn't prepared. And so I could have probably, <laughs> if I would have just been had my gun up it would have been a different story maybe would have tagged out but i tell you what i can't be disappointed got to take some new guys out and had a great time and uh this past weekend was able to do some fishing up at my wife's uh we were celebrating um the life of her grandfather and uh, that was a good experience uh family really uh, enjoyed that and then i mean it's a tough thing obviously but you you just smile because you know where the guy's at i mean he is uh lived a long Christian life, good man, and uh, just excited for him getting his reward. But there is a family pond, and we took our two girls out on Saturday morning. Um, Could have gone turkey hunting, but I decided, you know what, it's just, it's family time. I've done enough turkey hunting. So we went out to the family pond, and we started nailing some uh, (laughs) uh, bluegill. And um, my daughter, she's four years old, and she's almost caught a fish all by herself. She has this little pink pole. And so uh, I thought, you know what, I bet you I could video her getting her first, like, start to finish. She can cast. I mean, it goes about, you know, five feet but it's enough to catch these bluegill on the shore so i thought i'll try and video it so i hit the record button i was all right Ansley, throw it in and she threw that thing out there and before the bobber could even barely like get settled on the pond it goes under something hits it hard and so i'm like oh start real start real so i get all excited got this all on video and she is able to reel in all by herself i mean i had to lift the thing out of the water so it was so big a big old bass and i tell you what i'm not much of a fisherman but that bass is bigger than anything i have ever caught <laughs> without a doubt um i mean he was probably i mean well over 12 inches i don't i didn't have a, a tape to put on it but a big big bass just a, a nice big thing and she was all pumped and her reaction was just awesome and uh so that was exciting so i went back the next day just by myself with my daughter's pink pole and i caught about seven fish in a half hour and so i might just have to get into fishing um it's a lot of fun especially when they're biting like that especially in a small family pond but um but yeah uh that's some stuff that's going on so you're going to hear some boring things from me over the next four months until deer season starts but that's basically (laughs) what's happening uh, today, our guest joins us from North Dakota. His name is Jacob Krause, and uh, Jacob actually has uh, his own podcast that he's been working on. It's called The Outdoers, and that's O-U-T-D-O-E-R-S, Outdoers, and you can check that out on um, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast, and also he has a website where they sell some merch, and they also have a Facebook, Instagram, and a YouTube, so he'll tell you all about that in this episode, but uh, I was trying to find some guests, and I'm still 
looking for guests. I'd love to line up a few guests uh, over the next few weeks. So if you have some uh, turkey stories, deer stories, duck stories, I, kangaroo stories, um, you know, whatever, um, <laughs> hit me up, sheddinglightod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your hunting stories and experiences. Uh, but yeah, Jacob comes on and shares uh, some really cool stories, um, some really neat uh, stories about a duck hunt and a goose hunt. Um, thought those were pretty cool. Gets into some other things, and uh, I think that you guys are going to enjoy this one. So we're going to jump in. Here is Jacob Krause. All right, guys, joining me on the line is Jacob Krause. Jacob, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, what you into today? Working hard? Yeah, I uh, I work in the oil field, and uh, I'm actually out on location today. We're swapping a gearbox out on a, a pumping unit, so I'm just kind of sitting here with my load, waiting for them to finish taking the old gearbox off, and we'll swap the new one out. All right. That sounds like fun, I guess. I don't know. I don't know much about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. So you are in uh, western North Dakota. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bio, if you would. Well, I'm Jacob Krause. I'm 30 years old. Um, I've been interested in the outdoors my whole life. Um, as a as a young kid, I actually always dreamt of being a game warden. And uh, I went to college for fish and wildlife management. Actually took the North Dakota State Game Warden exam before I was technically qualified. You have to um, send in a letter of interest when they're looking for a game warden. Mm. and they'll say yes you can take the test no you can't why they decided to let me take the test when I wasn't done with college yet is beyond me but they let me take it it was a cool experience I passed the test I went through 120 question character interview after that and basically it boiled down to I didn't have the four-year degree so at that time so I wasn't able to get the job but it was a really cool experience yeah to get to do that so I guess I've been kind of immersed in the outdoors since I was a young kid um my dad growing uh when he was growing up he did the typical young kid bb hunting shooting birds whatever Mm -hmm. and he did some deer hunting in his later years and uh well later years and probably when he was in his 20s and 30s and kind of slowed down on it a little bit um for a few years I guess when he started deer hunting the state of North Dakota, which I, from what I've heard, a lot of the country was this way at, at a certain point in time, mm -hmm. um, the deer numbers were very low. So oh, yeah. like you see everybody shooting big bucks nowadays. And the way my dad explained it to me was uh, when I first started deer hunting, there was big bucks everywhere. Like it was can't say it was easy to shoot a big buck but you could easily go out and shoot 100 at least 120 class deer mm. and he told me he was always telling me and i and i and i kind of took it for granted and i understand what he meant he always said enjoy this while it lasts like we could get multiple tags we were getting extra doe tags we, we were filling our freezer with deer he said enjoy this while it lasts because it wasn't always like this and it's a cycle and it probably isn't always going to be like this mm. when he when he was um first deer hunting you were lucky to see a buck so if you had a buck tag and you shot a little three by three that was great because you were lucky to even see one and then i grew up in the times of it was easy to pass up a small buck because there was lots of big ones that you were going to see and 
so I was kind of always interested in deer hunting. And then I got a little bit older, I would say probably like seven, eight years old. And one of my dad's friends was big into like duck and goose hunting. I obviously wasn't old enough to be hunting yet. And I had bugged him and bugged him and bugged him about wanting to check out duck and goose hunting because his buddy made it sound like it was a lot of fun. So I actually, as a seven, eight year old kid, got my dad into duck and goose hunting. And we would go every Saturday. And then on Sunday morning, we would go out and me and my cousin, either, either my cousin's mom or my mom would pick us up on Sunday morning when it was time to leave, when we'd go to Sunday school and church. And, and so we, we still got plenty of hunting in on the weekends and we were still able to go to church. It was, it was a really cool deal. And mm. I grew up doing a lot of that. And then I got pretty big into archery hunting and I've done a lot of that. I, I kind of hunt a little bit of everything, all the opportunities that there are available to do in North Dakota. I've kind of tried to experience all of it, anything in the outdoors. I'm, I'm down to try anything new in the outdoors. I yeah. just, I love, I love being outside. That's awesome, man. I, 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 I think that's really neat, especially being out in a Western state. You know, there are a lot of different things that you can try your hand out being out there, you know, and, and I think there are probably in Ohio too. I think sometimes I just, you kind of get into a groove of doing a couple things. And um, recently I've kind of gotten into trying to do some predator hunting and try and do some different things like that. And then I've gone out West to elk hunt as well. And it's just neat to try new, I like trying new things. You know, there's some folks that just kind of, they're happy just to deer and turkey hunt and they can do that their whole lives. But I, I'm I'm with you. I, I like trying out different things. Um, you know, this past year I applied for some special licensed uh, places where you can go deer hunting. Never done that before. I didn't get drawn, um, but I, I didn't even know those things existed. It just seemed like, oh, that kind of sounds like a neat little adventure. So it's, it's neat to go out and explore. And it sounds like you kind of had that desire from the get-go. It's neat that you got your dad into duck hunting. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's not something that everybody can say. It's usually the other way around, but yeah. I bugged him until he went and spent all the money on the decoys because <laughs> you and I both know hunting is not cheap. And when you get into duck and goose hunting, you're talking about, well, there's field wa and water hunting and you got to have water decoys and you got to have blinds and you yeah. got to have decoys and waders and camo. It's all and the gun and it's just it's a super expensive thing to be involved in. But yep. once you got the stuff, it's kind of easy to keep rolling but all you you and i both know all hunters we all there's always something new coming out we always want the newest oh, thing oh yeah you aren't kidding i tell you if i got into duck hunting it would be extremely expensive because of the hospital bill and then the marriage counseling because my wife's going to hurt me and then we're going to have to have some counseling afterward because <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh yeah i try to avoid duck hunting just because i know that's one more that i know that i probably better stay out of so you kind of talk about your start getting into it a little bit, you know, with wanting to go duck hunting and then getting into, into archery. As you think back, Jacob, on some of those stories, um, you know, and I know that you, uh, we'll, we're, I want to get to this in a little bit. I know that you've started a, a podcast and I want to talk about that, but let's kind of build up to that a little bit. Okay. So talk, talk to me about some of those stories that you remember from your childhood kind of up till now uh, that just stand out to you. It's just some of those special moments that you've had. Well, uh, the first story that comes to mind, uh, I got, I got my first shot. I think it's been so long ago. I'd have to look at the regulations and I think it's 12 years old in North Dakota. Mm. I believe that's what it, I was 12 or 13. I got my first shotgun. It was a Remington 870 Wingmaster 20 gauge. Yep. And my dad gave it to me actually after a hunt that we were on. Cause I was, I was going out and just laying in the blind with them 
before I could even shoot, just taking everything in, you know? And uh, so he gave me the shotgun at the end of a hunt and they had a clay pigeon thrower and I got to go out and shoot some clay pigeons right away. And, and uh, one of the, well, the very first duck that I ever shot, um, the, it was a hot morning and, and there was birds coming in like crazy. And there was uh, three pintails that flew over. And, and my experience with pintails is, I don't know if it's because they're a smarter bird than, than uh, a lot of the other duck species or what, but they always kind of, they'll give you a, a pass over real high before mm -hmm. they really commit. And usually pintails aren't in large flocks. There'll be like a drake and a couple hens or whatever. It's not, it's not like a, a flock of 25 mallards coming into the decoys. Well, I was a new hunter. It was my first time out and, and <laughs> these pintails flew over way too high. And, and uh, everybody else kind of had the experience of knowing, okay, they're going to have to come circle and work their way down in and, and whatever else. And I, I sat up in the blind and shot when they were way too high. And at, at that same moment, everybody's like, wait, hold on. They're too high. Well, I hit one and it sailed a long way. It's probably a mile away. And so, so anyways, um, I'd hit this duck and it was sailing. You could tell it was hit and wounded and we saw it go down, but it was a long ways. I, it might not have been a mile, but I, being a young kid, it seemed like a mile we were walking and there's not at that in that situation, there's, there's not a lot of hope of finding the bird. Typically you wouldn't take a shot like that, but I was young and learning and things like that happen. So dad said, come on, we're gonna, you gotta, we're gonna learn a lesson here. You can't shoot at them when they're that high. We're gonna go make an honest attempt at re recovering this bird. Mm, that's cool. And so we, we went on, we went on the hike. We brought our, brought our guns with us just in case it was on the ground wounded or whatever and we come up to this fence line and this bird is laying dead as a doornail laying on his back hmm. and we're getting closer to it it's a, it's a drake pintail we're getting closer and my dad's like oh my gosh that is crazy it was banded oh no way so my very first duck <laughs> in my life was a banded drake pintail wow that's incredible man so we picked it up and walked all the way back to the rest of the group. And my dad's like, now you guys are all sure that my, my son shot this bird. Right. <laughs> and I remember everybody just blew up in the group. They're like, are you kidding me? That's a banded bird, isn't it? <laughs> sure enough, It was a banded, banded pintail Drake. So that kind of got a lucky start to, to my duck hunting and goose hunting career, I guess. But oh, man. it was kind of a memorable story that I thought was fun to share yeah man i'm glad you did that is just incredible and so, so did anybody uh you know they're probably giving you grief for shooting one so high but whenever it's banded you know you kind of get a free pass i would imagine right right and i and i mean i did i, I still took learned my lesson and took that out of it that's one thing about hunting is the more you grow in the the adventure or sport of hunting or whatever you want to call it you're we're always learning there's always something new that we're picking up on you're, you're never done learning when you're outdoors doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And uh, <laughs> kind of sticking with the waterfall thing, jumping ahead quite a few years here. Uh, this is a pretty funny story, something that happened to us. 
And uh, so we're in college. It's me and oh, one, two, three, four buddies are out. Uh, it's an early, we have an early Canada goose hunting season in North Dakota. And uh, it's open in August and it's just a couple weeks. And then there's a break and then the regular season opens in September. And um, so we're out there Canada goose hunting and we had scouted the, did our homework, scouted the field, knew the birds were going to be there, set up. And I don't remember where we were at in the count. We ended up limiting out on this hunt, but I don't remember where we were at in the count of birds or, or whatnot, because it was a while ago, but this flock of birds comes, three birds comes in and the first two drop and everybody, you got, each guy's got three shells in his gun. And as this last bird skirted across the decoys flared out, you could see one, two, three, four, five, everybody shot and you could see feathers flying off the bird every shot. And man, this was a tough goose because it hit the ground and it was running. Oh man. And my buddy Ryan, he says, I can, I'll go get it. She takes off running after this bird. And I don't know, you, you see geese anywhere. They walk around and they flap their wings, especially if they get, somebody gets close to them, like in a park, for example, or something, they'll run away flapping their wings. So this goose is flapping his wings and my buddy's chasing it around the field. He ends up like jumping on it to catch it and dispatches the bird and he comes back to the decoys and he's covered head to toe in blood. He's got blood on his teeth, like just, just covered in blood from this goose, just beating him with his wings. Oh my goodness. And he goes, you guys are never going to believe this. And there again, the whole group explodes. You're kidding me. It's banded. So it was a banded goose and everybody immediately agreed that Ryan, you can keep that band. We all know that we shot and we all know that we hit it just because of the way that it came down the line. Typically in that situation, what we'll do is we'll rock, paper, scissors or draw numbers or something. When you know that there's more than one person that shot the bird that to make it fair, who gets to keep the band. But yeah, things my buddy had been chasing that bird. And I mean, I mean, even had blood on his teeth, like it was all over him from chasing. <laughs> he he earned, he earned that band. <laughs> yes, he did. He definitely earned that band. Oh, that's cool, man. That's, a, that's exciting. That's part of what <laughs> makes me want to get into, you know, if they banded turkeys, that would be awesome. I wish, I wish they would ban some turkeys in my area. That would make it even more exciting. Cause that just that possibility of catching, uh, I guess the equivalent would be like a turkey with like a double beard or triple beard or something like that. You know, that it's just that rarity uh, with the band that makes it extremely special, you know? Right. Yeah. And I've only been on, I've obviously done a lot of duck and goose hunting, not so much anymore. The Western side of the state is a little bit tougher. There's not quite as many birds. It's a little bit further from the center of the central flyway. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the central part of North Dakota and that's where the bird hunting is hot and heavy. So I don't do as much of it anymore, but, um, I've only been on one, two, three, four hunts when there's been a band shot and I've done a lot of bird hunting. I actually used to be, I was a part of a, a waterfall hunting company. I was on their staff for a long time and hunted with them every year. It was a bunch of guys from all over the country. They got together every, every year to hunt. Hmm. I've done done a lot, a lot of, a lot of waterfall hunting and, and, and I've killed my fair share of waterfall, but I just not very often that you do get a band. Yeah. That's neat, man. That's very cool. So you talked about, um, you know, how your hunting has just changed. You've tried some different things. So other than like duck and geese, you know, what other animals have you gone after? Any of those, those stories kind of stand out to you? 
Um, we'll go into archery. I think uh, I, 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 I've always, like I said, been interested in like anything outdoors related. I, I just love, love trying new things. And I don't even know how I, how I got into wanting to be, start archery hunting exactly. Maybe it was just watching. I used to watch the outdoors channel a lot. Mm-hmm. More now it's more youtube tv is is not as big of a thing anymore but um maybe it was just from watching watching how cool it was to get that close to the animal that you're taking so i wanted to get into archery hunting and my dad that's something that he had never done before he had never really even had a lot of interest in in archery hunting and uh his cousin had an old bow real old bow like it had a the sight that it had on it, it was a compound bow. Um, the sight it had on it was like square shaped. It wasn't round and there was no peep. And mm-hmm. so, and I had, I had like a little tiny, like, you know, the kids compound bows that got like, I don't even know, probably five pounds of draw weight or something that I had screwed around with as a kid a little bit. So that, that I borrowed that bow from him and went out my first year or my first season with that bow. And I never, never did shoot anything with it but then my parents got me a a newer a newer bow a pse deer hunter i believe is what it was called i actually still have it it's got a a bow fishing kit on it now but uh it was my second year of archery season and it was getting late in the year it opens in september uh first weekend in september usually and it goes until like the beginning part of January. So it's a long hunting season for archery. And my first deer I shot was a doe. It was, it was after Christmas. Can't remember if it was quite January yet, but I was on Christmas break from school. And I, at that point I had gotten my dad interested in archery hunting and he had started archery hunting too. And he was at a different deer stand uh, in a different place in the woods. And man, I was freezing. It was below zero cold 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 kind of windy and i couldn't take it no more and i'm like you know what <laughs> this stinks i'm cold i'm gonna go back and sit in the pickup and when dad comes out he comes out and just as i stood up a doe comes walking in so i'm like well i'm here i'm starting to warm up real quick now because my heart is pounding and i stuck my first archery deer it was a doe and and she went about 35 40 yards and tipped over and i was i was so excited i wasn't cold anymore i forgot about being cold and <laughs> i mean i don't care what still to this day archery hunting i don't care if it's a buck or a doe my heart is pounding so hard mm-hmm. that i can hear it in my ears it doesn't matter if it's got a rack or not to me yet i like to shoot bucks i try to shoot nice bucks but just getting that close to an animal and they're smart they can it's almost like they can sense your electrical field coming off of your body. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yesterday was an incredible experience, Jacob. I, I took out a guy, um, he's, uh, in college and he's not hunted hardly at all. Like he's never been on a deer hunt. He went turkey hunting, I think a couple of weeks ago with a buddy to West Virginia, but that's it. And so I was going to take him hunting, but he didn't have a turkey tag and he just wanted to come along and film me. I was like, all right, if you want to come run the camera, that'd be cool. And so we got up on this hill and we tucked into a uh, Osage orange uh, hedgerow or crab apple, you know, whatever you call it, uh, hedgerow. And um, we're sitting there and I was like, I hear something over this hill. And all of a sudden a doe pops out and she comes in and he's filming this doe and she comes in 
very close. <laughs> I think she was probably at one point about seven yards away and just stopped and was eating. And he was filming her and he said, he goes, you know, I, I was looking at her through the, the viewfinder. He goes, and all of a sudden I, I just realized I was like, this doe is really close. And I lift my head up and she is right there. And you could just hear him. I mean, we weren't even deer hunting, but being that close to an animal in God's creation. I mean, he was, he was breathing heavy. I was excited to try really hoping that she wasn't going to blow. She ended up kind of busting us. And of course she blew and probably messed up turkeys coming in, but I didn't really care. It was just incredible to take somebody out and get them that close. You know, there's something neat about that. Yeah. There's nothing like it, man. It's, uh, it's just, they're, they're so smart and their, their senses are like ours times a hundred. Yeah, they can hear things that they'll they'll perk up and look at something, and you're like, "What in the world are they even looking at?" They they just know their surroundings so well, and they can hear and smell and see so well. It's just incredible what them animals can do, and mm -hmm. it's a survival thing. If they don't have those kind of senses, they're not going to make it in the wild. That's just the harsh truth of of living in the wild. Yeah, yep. Hmm. My stories uh, make it sound like things have just come easy to me, I guess. And it's not always the case. It's just some memorable things to me. Um, I'm going to jump into um, my first archery buck. It took me, so I started archery hunting when I was a seventh grader and I was a junior in high school before I shot my first buck with a bow. Hmm. I had lots of opportunities at bucks, but like I said earlier, we had a lot of big bucks around and I didn't, a lot of guys will, and there's nothing wrong. I'm, I, will, I will never shame anybody for shooting anything, whether it's a doe or a buck or whatever. It's an accomplishment to be able to take an animal no matter what it is. But I had lots of opportunities at like little spike bucks and, and, and little, little three pointers. And I just let them go. I was actually hunting a property that um, the landowner had kind of given me permission to post it. It was me and one other guy that kind of like ran the property and we had a management plan that we kind of had and we just wanted the deer to be able to grow. So I passed a lot of bucks. My junior, before going into before this bow buck. So it was the, it was the week before I shot my bow buck and uh, I'm sitting in the stand and I got a, in that part of the country, uh, in this, that part of the state baiting is allowed. So we would, we would put like apples out and stuff and have trail cameras get pictures. And it was just something that made stand hunting a little easier, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had a Fox come running into the stand while there was a little tiny buck and doe eating off the apple pile. And at first when it happened, I'm like, what the heck is that? When it comes scampering through the brush, you know, I'm like, what is that thing? And it got into the opening and I'm like, oh, that's a red fox. Wait a minute. I'm bow hunting. I'm probably, and it was completely legal to be take, to take a fox at that point in the year. It was in October. So I thought to myself, I'm, I'm probably never going to get another opportunity to harvest a fox with my bow. I should, I should try this. I know I got a little buck and a little doe on the apple pile, but I don't plan on taking them. Got about a half hour before dark. So I, stood up drew my bow and shot that fox and and he tipped over dead in his tracks he didn't take a step and um then he kind of made a little yip right right when i hit him i guess not trying to sound gruesome or anything but it was quick it was a quick dispatch he never took a step and you know a guy would think that that buck and that doe that were eating on the apple pile would run away from that 
but they picked their heads up from apple pile and looked over at that fox like what what's wrong with you and then they just continued eating the apples oh wow so then i got the thought of well well i don't want to blow blow up this deer hunting spot because it clearly didn't spook these deer they're 10 yards from a fox i just shot so i stayed in the stand and ended up being like well after dark before the deer finally left I'm, that's one thing about deer stand hunting that i always tried to do if there was a deer in the stand or at the at the apple pile or whatever i would not leave until they left because i didn't want to spook them and potentially spook a deer that i was after to shoot out of the woods there Mm-hmm. so i would hang tight and in north dakota if it's after hours or before hours as long as you got like i took a shoe i take a shoelace with me if you tie your bowstring to your cables so that it's not possible to draw it that's what makes you legal to be in the woods previous to shooting light and after shooting light oh, so i just stayed in the stand and tie, tied my shoelace over the um, string and waited for the deer to leave and I picked my fox up and at that time I was, it's real close to my house. So I was just riding the four-wheeler back and forth from home to the stand. And I went home and I, uh, I ended up having to put the fox in the freezer because in in October it is typically cold, but it was warm that year. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually, in the town where I went to high school, there was a, an auto body shop and the guy that ran that was into taxidermy and he tanned hides and and did a little bit of taxidermy work besides his auto body so i took that fox in there he wasn't like fully primed up like you would see in december or something but he was he was not in his summer coat either it was kind of an in-between phase mm-hmm. and being as i it was a fox and i took it with a bow and it's something that a guy is probably not likely going to be able to ever do again I took that fox in and got it tan. So I got a little rug out of that deal that I still have today sitting on the mantle at home. So that was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. And that was the week before I shot my buck. So the next week I was leaving for, uh, I was in FFA and we were leaving for national FFA convention. And the reason we were going that year is because I raised pheasants for, they called it, SAE, it was a supervised agricultural experience. Um, it's a project that you did for FFA and you could submit like your paperwork and essay and costs and all that stuff. Kind of like a life learning lesson type thing of, of just running a business or whatever it might be. It's all There's all kinds of different SAEs you could do. And I had actually won the state competition in my division because it was raising pheasants. It was a wildlife division. And it went on to the national contest. So we got to go to the national contest in Indianapolis. So I shot that fox and was coming off that high of doing that. And then I had to take a week off of bow hunting. Mm. And I and I come back and, and that next weekend after I came back from the National FFA convention is when I took my first bow buck. And that bow buck, the other guy that I kind of managed that property with, he was from a town that was about 100 miles away so he wasn't up every weekend but he was he was around a fair amount and him and a couple of his buddies happened to be there which was cool for me that I got to take that while I had all of those friends around and uh, this I mean it's not a giant bucket I don't even 
I don't even know if I've ever had it scored. It's less than 120. It's probably about 105 inch deer or so, but it's a, it was a five by five. Yeah. And it was a nice deer and he made me excited. So I, I took him and I took a shot. It was a little high, but, but being at the angle from being up in a tree stand, it, it was down into the vitals. And I, um, heard him take off running and I heard a bunch of crashing. And then I was thinking to myself, well, what do I do now? This is a buck. I don't want to, I mean, I've shot a doe before. I don't know what to do here. (laughs) (laughs) Just all the emotions are running through. Yeah. Yeah. You've been waiting that many years to, to shoot a buck. So the first thing I did is I, I got a hold of uh, Doran. He was the the friend that I had that managed. I called him and I'm like, Hey, it's get it was getting to be, it was right before shooting light ended and it was getting dark out and I didn't want to bump him. So I, I figured I better have some help to find him. I didn't even move from the stand. I called, called Doran, called my mom, called my dad and everybody came and I didn't even leave the stand until they came walking into the stand. And I climbed down out of the stand and it was kind of fun. I got to have my mom and dad with me and my friend that I managed to land with. And we all, all track that deer together and he was about 60 yards away laying there laying there dead so i got to kind of share that experience with my parents and my friends and that was a really cool deal for me yeah i I mean that's pretty awesome that you had the mind to wait until everybody gets there because i that's something i think i've struggled with a lot of people new hunters especially struggle with they want to go track that deer within like a minute after they shot it you know (laughs) so uh kudos to you for waiting yeah, it's, 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 and to anybody out there that's listening that maybe is interested in hunting and hasn't really done it yet, it could sound kind of brutal thinking, oh, you got to make weight, but uh, an arrow or a broadhead on an arrow is so sharp that they don't even feel it when it hits them. Yeah. I've seen people shoot mule deer and elk and they'll just stand there. Yeah. and they don't even realize that they're hit yeah. it's so sharp that it just goes through so fast that they don't even know what hit them and something a lot of people don't realize either is that when bucks or elk or whatever you're talking about things with antlers that are fighting they end up stabbing each other with their horns and heal up from them every year yeah so an arrow is a pretty minimal a minimal thing to them i guess is the best way i know how to put it like mm. it's not nearly as brutal as as nature itself, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Oh yeah. I completely agree with that. Yeah. And I mean, and I think they get that kick of adrenaline too. And that, that's why, I mean, that's why we're aiming for, you know, vital pass-throughs because I mean, if you make a vital pass-through, typically that animal is expiring within a minute or less, sometimes even 30 seconds or less, and they don't go very far. And that's, that's really what you're aiming for. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Well, Jacob, I wanted to I wanted to ask you um, if you have some more stories, feel free. But I I know that you are also a podcast host, um, and you've been doing this for a little while. And you have a podcast called The Outdoers, uh, and that's spelled O U T D O E R S. So tell us a little bit about The Outdoers and and how that came into the picture. <laughs> so, The Outdoers. Um... My girlfriend and I have always talked about, and I've always wanted my own business relating to the outdoors. And the outdoors industry is tough. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to do it. There's a lot of competition. 
and I never just wanted to, I wanted to think about it for a long time before I pulled the trigger and you go, you want to have something new, right? Like you don't want to do the same thing that everybody else is doing. Otherwise it's Absolutely, the yeah. odds of success are way lower. So we had been, my girlfriend and I had been talking about, she was interested in wanting to do a business and she liked doing a lot of the same things I, I do. And, and, uh, one day she's like, I got it. The outdoors. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, give me your pitch. Well, well what is the outdoors going to be? Like we had talked about wanting to be an outdoors company, but we didn't know exactly what we wanted to do. And she, she goes, well, we like doing everything outside from camping to hunting to fishing, pretty much anything we can do outside. That's what we like to do. And she goes, tell me a brand that, I mean, a, a lot of the brands have, have like lifestyle clothing and, and like North face has some, for example, has some like um, camouflage stuff or whatever. But as she said, tell me a brand that really encompasses everything outdoors and mm -hmm. i thought about it for a minute and i'm like you know most of them are really just focused on if you're talking about hunting they're just focused on hunting primarily or camping they're just focused on camping but she said well why can't we have a brand that encompasses everything that's who we are mm. and we kind of ran with that because there isn't really anybody out there that's that's doing that there isn't there isn't anybody out there that's kind of encompassing as far as the clothing world goes, their 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 main focus is including everything outdoors and always wanting to learn and take on more and everything like that. So that's how the outdoors came about. Hmm, that's cool. So we talked about it and we came up with a logo and and we kind of did some shopping around and looking at pricing and kind of doing all the things you do when you're getting ready to set up a business. Obviously, we we applied for a business license. We wanted to make sure we took all the steps to be legal with it, and we got everything all set up. It all takes time; it doesn't mm -hmm. happen overnight. We're still working on building our brand, and the podcast deal was. I've I've always I I drive truck for a living. I listen to podcasts all day long, every day. I'm always looking for new things. I find a new podcast and I like it and I'll binge it and I'll listen to 70 episodes in a row for however many days that takes or whatever. And I kind of get into them and then I subscribe and I end up following a lot of podcasts shedding light your, your podcast that we're on right now. I found it and I got in touch with you through go wild, which is a cool thing. I kind of want to give a shout out to them too. Yeah. go wild kind of encompasses everything outdoors and I had seen you post something on there and I, I found your podcast through that. And so I decided to get a hold of you. And so I guess the podcast, the big part about that was, is I'd already listened to them and I always thought it'd be cool to be on one. And I thought, well, why not just do our own? Mm. It's a good way to market, market your product and who you are. And, and, uh, and eventually it's going to expand your reach and grow your audience. And so then that developed and, and we also obviously have, we have, so we're on Go Wild. We're on Facebook. You can find us at The Outdoors, uh, Instagram at The Outdoors. And we uh, just recently started a YouTube channel too that's called Get Outdoors. Um, the YouTube channel is just in a kind of another way to yep. show who you are. And it's, everybody learns a little bit differently 
whether it's visually or podcasts, or it's just kind of a way so that everybody can learn who you are, no matter what your, what your way of digesting is. Um, our podcast, we recently, I recently started doing um, video podcasts, just that, like I said, another way for people to digest. And then um, something else, I guess I kind of want to throw out there right now is we're just today, as of today, we're, we got a contest going on Instagram, kind of trying to grow our reach a little bit. Um, it's a contest where you can go on to our Instagram page, The Outdoers, and the post has got some lifestyle pictures of some of our shirts that we have. And if you go on there and tag three friends, like the post and follow us on Instagram, as soon as we get to 150 followers on Instagram, we're going to do a choice, draw a name and you get your choice of whatever shirt you want and we'll get it shipped off to you. Uh, we also got hats. So yeah, that's, that's kind of who we are, where we got started. And we're just, we started in uh, August, we got going, I guess, late July, early August last year. So we're, we're not even quite a year into the journey, but it's been fun. And, and the person's just got to have patience with a, when starting a business like that, it's important to kind of just never give up on your dreams and just do what you can do. And, and, uh, be persistent yeah. and things will pay off eventually. Yeah. What's your, uh, throw a couple questions at, what's your favorite part about podcasting? What, what do you enjoy the most as far as sitting down? I think you have 11 episodes. So what, what's kind of been some of your favorite moments so far? So I, I love meeting new people that are interested in the same things that I am. Even if it's something new, I, I, I take every podcast as a learning experience for me. And it's an outlet for other people to learn things. Our, my podcast goes down every rabbit hole. There's hunting stories. There's tips and tactics. I've had Brad Luttrell on. He was, he's a CEO of a company. So it's kind of covers a little bit of everything in the outdoors industry. Yeah, falconry. And it's a, yeah, I know that there's always a, something that grabs my attention. And if it's something that'd be cool to talk about, like I said, I love talking to people about hunting and fishing in the outdoors so it makes it kind of easy and natural and and i just like i'm always learning and i like to talk to people about stuff mm, that's cool man well i'd encourage people to go check that out go over to on those places that you mentioned for the outdoors check out the podcast which is on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts uh, instagram youtube facebook uh, hit subscribe and check that out jacob what i thought we could do to close is i, I know that you're a turkey hunter so i just want to ask how did you know we're, we're wrapping up turkey season here in ohio it's about the end how did your turkey season go well starting out turkey hunting i did it in college one time in the spring didn't really know much about it i bought a box call didn't have didn't have a decoy I never even heard one gobble when I was, when I tried it the first time and uh, my buddies were into it and they've been bugging me for years about getting a tag again. I'm like, man, that wasn't really that fun when I tried it before, but finally they talked me into it and I would say I'm hooked now. So obviously I've turned into a pretty big archery hunter and the uh, other bird that I had shot before was the shotgun. So I made the decision I'm shooting one with a bow. And living in Western North Dakota and, and the mule deer hunting that I've done, and it's all spot and stock. Like I felt pretty confident in being able to shoot 
a turkey sized target with the amount of shooting that I do and the like the crazy weird shots you end up taking when you're in hill country, different angles, shooting, kneeling, sitting down. Just I just felt comfortable shooting a turkey with my bow. And I really wanted to do that. I thought that'd be really cool. So we went out opening. I said we had went out opening weekend and it was the third weekend. One of my buddies from across the state came back again after the opening weekend for another shot at shooting a turkey. And we went out with the blind and the decoys in a spot where there was about, we had been seeing 25, 30 turkeys there all the time. And we, it was private land. We got permission set up we had high high hopes of getting turkeys in to the decoys we were planning on filming it ideally a lot of times you'll have two toms come into the decoys or, or multiple toms and it was he had a shotgun i had a bow ideally we were going to have me shoot first and then he was going to pick up afterwards because typically if you get a bird down another bird will they kind of it's weird turkeys will like jump on the other bird that's been shot oh yeah i've seen that and uh, so that was the plan. Well, no turkeys came in. So it was 1030 in the morning. And we're like, well, there's a lot of turkeys around. Let's just go for a little drive and see if we can see where the birds are at or what. We didn't go too far down the road. And, and my buddy Cody is like, hey, there's, th there's two toms over there strutting. And they, it's got some hens. It was on public land right along the top edge of a draw. So we both, we parked the pickup as fast as we could and grabbed, we each, he grabbed the Tom decoy, I grabbed the hen decoy and we took off to try and cut them off, get decoys set up and whatever. And uh, we stopped down, we got pretty close. We were probably about 40, 50 yards from them before we stopped and set up decoys, started calling and they were gobbling and spitting and drumming back at us. And, and uh, I kind of got, it just seemed like the, the, the Toms when they were gobbling back at us, they were just getting a little bit further away. And it was kind of one of those deals where you're close enough where, and we were, me and Cody were spread apart far enough where I couldn't talk to him, but it was just kind of like eye contact, like nudging your head or pointing or whatever. And I just was like, I looked over at him, he looked at me and I pointed and I took off and I'm like, I've hunted with him a lot. He should be able to know exactly what I'm doing and flank me and just move down this draw. And I got to where I thought I was ahead of the turkeys and I kind of, some people think I'm crazy, but spot and stock hunting, I'll take my boots off if I have to, to get close to something. And I've done it a lot of times with deer and everything. So I took my boots off and dropped an arrow in my boots so that I could find them again. <laughs> and I crept up the hill in my socks and there was one of the Toms fanned out, puffed up, strutting. I'm like, oh, yes, game on. I couldn't see Cody at this point, but I knew he was behind me. And I knew it would be safe to shoot the direction I was shooting. And I'm just thinking, man, I hope that he is close enough where he can take one Tom and I'll take the other. But I couldn't see the other Tom. I didn't know where it was at. Hmm. So I backed down the hill again, gathered myself up, drew my bow took three steps up and that turkey was puffed up again and then he turned his head and looked at me and all of his feathers went flat and it's a real quick decision but I'm like okay it's now or never I gotta let the arrow fly and I smoked him he the arrow was a complete pass through with a it was a rage hypodermic and he hopped up in the air and hit the ground and it was over and wow. Cody comes out hooting and hollering and pumping his fist and I'm like 
man, did you see that? And he goes, yeah, I was watching the whole thing happen. That was awesome. I'm like, you just drove like 150 miles to shoot a turkey and now you didn't get a turkey. I am so sorry. Like the goal here was to get you a turkey. I kind of like, I was excited, but I felt bad at the same time because yeah. he didn't get his turkey. And he goes, man, I've always wanted to see one get shot with a bow. So that alone right there made my weekend. And I shot it at 11 yards. So oh, that was kind cool. of a, kind of a cool deal to be able to stock in on a turkey at 11 yards. They were preoccupied with hens and goblin and it just kind of the the landscape and having my boots off everything just kind of worked out oh that's sweet man congratulations that's exciting yeah no it was great i there's i'm hooked on turkey hunting now i've already been talking to cody's <laughs> like you finally like it <laughs> like we're gonna do this every year now right and i'm like heck yeah we are oh man i've been taking I've been taking some buddies out and I just tell them the same. I was like, you know, there's, if you can just have it work that one time and whenever that happens, all of a sudden it doesn't seem like this impossible thing. You know, some people have a lot of success early on, but I had to struggle and struggle and finally figured out a few things that worked. And then once it starts working, you're like, Oh man, it's just so addicting. Cause you, you get, it's such a different rush than shooting a deer. It's just different. And something about that just makes you want to do it again makes me get up at 4 30 the last three days you know to try and chase those gobbles and that's just pretty sweet man right mm. one thing i i want to i'd like to share a psalm that kind of ties everything together today that yeah. i guess i've talked about so it's psalm 37 verses 7 through 9 it it says rest in the lord and wait patiently for him Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked device to pass. Cease from anger and forsaketh wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evil doers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. And to me, that, that just speaks about what we've talked about today. Just be patient mm. and the good things will come your way. You just got to trust in the Lord and everything is going to work out and just give it all up to him and, and, and everything, everything all always work out. Hmm. That's really cool. That's a good verse. I'll have to check that one out, Jacob. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's completely true. You know, it's patience is so hard. And I think every, just about every form of hunting requires some level of patience. I, I think I was just telling uh, somebody that yesterday, it's just, it's taught me, hunting has taught me a tremendous amount of, I didn't used to be a very patient person. And with hunting, you kind of have to be. And I think that that kind of, God teaches me through that, you know, because that, that patience is, uh, it does pay off in the long run, you know, and I think that's incredible. Yeah. Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on today and giving me some time. I know that you're working and uh, getting some stuff done there in the oil field. So thanks for carving out a little bit of time. And um, I want to encourage guys again to go check out your uh, outdoor channel. Check out um, The Outdoors on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your podcast. And Jacob, I just want to say thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Maybe I can, jump, maybe I can join you sometime on yours. Would that work yeah, out? Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to have you on. Absolutely, man. All right. Well, you have a great day and we'll talk to you later. All right. You too. Pretty cool stories from Jacob Krause. I uh, really enjoyed the story about the banded birds and those hunts. Pretty exciting stuff. You know, something that just kind of popped in my head here just to tie everything together. I, I like the verse Jacob talked about waiting patiently on the Lord. 
Um, we've talked about that before, and man, it's hard to have patience. Case in point, last week, uh, sat down with a guy who was, he wanted to come along and just film me. He didn't have a turkey tag, so we had moved around that morning, finally sat down, set up our decoys and stuff, thought it'd take a long time to strike up a bird, and on the very first call, bird goes off about 150 yards away across this ravine. And so I call and he hammers, I call, he hammers, and I'm like, this is going to happen. So I put the calls down, I kind of got my gun up in a ready position, but not not fully up, you know, I mean, this bird was still off a ways. And so I waited and waited, and then next thing you know, he gobbles, but he sounded like he was further away. And then he gobbled one more time, and I was like, man, this bird is really far away. And so I kind of just lost focus. Um, I heard some chipmunks up and over my left-hand shoulder and just wasn't paying attention. And then next thing you know, I see that redhead stick up right to my, I mean, just directly to my left, 30 yards away. And he's looking at the situation. Must have caught some movement or something, and then he just turned tail and tucked and went in below the ridge and I called and he hammered but he wasn't coming up to the setup and and the whole thing was this I wasn't ready for him I wasn't patient I thought he was actually further away than he really was but he was in reality he was coming and I think about my life um, there are moments whenever I should wait on the Lord a little bit more um, I need to be more patient I, I want things to happen in my time I want um, I want <laughs> that instant gratification, I guess. You know, we are so used to, if you have a question in life, what do you do? You pull out your phone and look up Google. You can find an answer. If you want some food and you're hungry, you can run down the street and have a hot meal served to you within about five minutes if you go to the fast food place. You know, we have an instant gratification culture, and it is very hard to wait on on anything so whenever we're waiting on God we pray and we want something to happen or we're waiting for a change or we're really just stressed out and wanting some sort of relief I, I gotta admit that there are times that I don't wait on God I try and take matter into my own hands or try and uh, just make some poor choices and it never leads to <laughs> the gratification that I want um, you know the only true gratification comes from waiting on the Lord and his timing and his way of doing things so I'd encourage you guys today I don't know what it is you're waiting for God for but keep waiting um, it might take time I mean some people in the Bible had to wait years for things to come the way that they wanted to but by them waiting they finally got what they needed um, so thought I'd throw that out there for you guys once again I want to thank you guys for listening to the show always looking for guests so if you want to come on give me an email uh, send me an email at sheddinglightod at gmail.com appreciate your reviews your comments um, just uh, just I love talking back and forth with people uh, once again I haven't heard anything more about if anybody would like a Shedding Light Outdoors sticker uh, please let me know I'm thinking about selling those for like a dollar a piece and I'd be more than willing to uh, send them to you so just let me know if that's something you're interested in send me a, a message and that's all we have for today we're going to wrap things up hopefully come back next week with another guest and until then remember to shed the light